This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, off the top in this hour, and then we got a story here today that shows just uh, how deadly vehicles can be when in the wrong hands. I recall this story from June of 2015. Uh, a gas station attendant, 35-year-old Miriam Rashidi, is trying to stop a driver from leaving without paying. It was run over. In fact, she had climbed on the hood of the truck, was thrown off, then run over by the truck's right front and dual rear tires. Died a few days later in hospital. Joshua Cody Mitchell was on trial this week, second-degree murder related to this incident. So that's obviously uh, very serious. But we see a lot of cases where dangerous drivers, even drivers who take a life, seem to get off with a slap on the wrist. A fine, few years driving ban, and then they're back behind the wheel. And it's frustrating. Why is it so difficult to keep people who clearly shouldn't be driving off the road? Well, Chris Selley's got a fascinating piece in the National Post today about all of this. Uh, NationalPost.com. You can read more there. He joins us on the line here this afternoon, though. Chris, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, we see cases like this right across the country, but what sparked this for you? So there was a case, a woman last summer in Toronto, uh, was, she said, trying to avoid a truck that was moving backwards at an intersection. And in the process of trying to avoid this, she uh, ran her SUV, her Mercedes SUV, onto the sidewalk and into a stall at a sort of um, arts and crafts market and killed a uh, uh, one of the vendors there, 38-year-old woman, mother of two. And just last week, uh, she, as she was charged with careless driving, and last week she got her sentence, which was, uh, I believe it was a $2,000 fine, which is the maximum allowable under the Highway Traffic Act, and a six-month driving suspension with exceptions for going to work or medical appointments or emergencies. And this is not an unusual case, but every time that there is a case like this, I feel like, you know, on social media, everyone reacts with outrage and says, you know, this is, this is completely outrageous, whether it's the, the fine or whether it's the lack of imprisonment. Um, but I sort of, the thing that I've never been able to wrap my head around is these driving bans. I mean, six months with exceptions for killing someone. Yeah. Uh, and the maximum is only two years. And I just don't understand, you know, the first thing they tell kids in driving school is, uh, is, is, is that a license is a privilege, not a right. But it, that does not seem to be reflected in law at all. Well, does it? I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's the point that people make often that if you wanted to kill somebody in this country, you'd probably be better off running them over uh, than doing anything else, because maybe odds are you'd end up with, with this kind of a sentence. That probably overstates the fact. And as you point out in your piece, we do have in the criminal codes some much harsher penalties. But should it have to go there? No, I mean, I, I well, look, you know, even when even under the criminal code, when you have a dangerous driving case, um, you know, there's been some some very um, notable cases. I mean, there was a guy who uh, got off a private jet from Las Vegas after a friend's bachelor party here in Toronto and, you know, two or three times the legal limit, uh, decided he would drive home rather than take a $50 limo ride and killed, you know, I can't remember how many it was, but it was, it was three or four people, including three children. Uh, and he only got something like a five or 10 year driving ban. Uh, and a very short prison sentence. So even even in the criminal code, there are people who think it's far too lenient. But in general, I, I think it's it's right that 
um, you know, it's, it's right that you have to prove intent if you're going to charge someone criminally. I mean, no one believes that uh, this woman killed this, this, this other woman at this arts and crafts market deliberately. No one believes she had any intent. Right. So, so I think it, it's appropriate that that be dealt with as a strict liability offense and not as criminal. But I, I, again, I come back to we could at least keep her off the road. Um, and yet there doesn't seem to be any instinct for that at all. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever happened anywhere in this country ever that we've we've prohibited somebody for driving for life. We've never taken away driving privileges from even the worst of the worst offenders, it seems. No, and, and, that, and that seems completely crazy to me. I mean, I, I can't imagine what the argument against it is, except that I keep hearing when I, you know, I talk to all sorts of people for this column, and, and I seem to be totally alone on this. And what people kept saying to me was, well, you know, some people have to drive. You know, they're, they're, it's all very well for you to live in Toronto and say we should take people's licenses away. But what about if you live in rural areas? And I think, well, if, but you killed someone. <laughs> you know, I mean, most people think you should be, a lot of people think you should be in jail. Um, maybe you have to move. Maybe you have to get a different job. I mean, we're talking about consequences and we're talking about trying to uh, impress upon people uh, the consequences of careless driving. Uh, I, I don't understand why, uh, as I say, I don't understand why we wouldn't just, at, certainly on a second or third offense, say, no, that's it. Y- you're not driving anymore. But as you say, we don't even do that for sort of chronic drunk drivers. Um, you know, people who are convicted criminally, they still uh, get their license back. And as I note in the column, in Ontario at least, and I think this is probably true in most Canadian provinces, there's a rule that says that if you're entitled to drive, like if it's legal for you to have a tar- to drive, the insurance industry has to provide you with uh, with coverage. And what ends up happening is that good drivers subsidize the worst drivers uh, on their premiums. And so it's 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 like government bending over backwards to ensure that the worst drivers have access to a car. And I I, I have not. No one has given me a, a good explanation as to why. Uh, as to why that's the case. Right. Well, I mean, it's this weird thing because, in a way, I mean, driving seems like a right. At, at the same time, it seems like a privilege. I don't think the government could just arbitrarily deny me the right to drive. But at the same time, I, I got to earn that privilege. If I fail my driving exam over and over again, if I don't have the money to, to buy a car, I can't sit here and demand that the government provide me with both. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. And, and as I pointed out in the call, I mean, there are all sorts of people who can't drive because they can't afford the insurance, whether it's simply because they don't have enough, you know, whether it's simply because they're, they're in low income or whether it's because they've done so many awful things on the road that their insurance premiums are, are through the roof. Um, but you know, the government doesn't come to their aid with even more subsidized insurance for bad drivers. They just accept that. You know, some people can't afford to drive. I mean, I don't. I, I choose not to own a car and not to drive because it's it's easy for me to do in the city. But as you say, uh, we impose limits all along the way uh, on sort of basic ability when you're young. Then you have graduated licensing, so you have to prove certain uh, capabilities, and you have to you know not do certain things in order to move on up the ladder. And then when you get older, you have to you know there's eyesight requirements. There's all these things, and yet. 
you, you go out and you wreak havoc on the roads. And as long as you're not in jail, uh, well, or when, when you get out of jail, you are guaranteed at some point in your life to get your license back. And that just seems like a, I, I, I can't imagine who would argue against that. But I, I spoke with uh, uh, a member of the legislature here in Ontario. It's a private member's bill. She wants to introduce a non-criminal offense called uh, careless driving causing death. Because um, usually in these cases, consequences aren't taken into account. Um, but even she, you know, when I said, well, what, what about like, what about like a 10-year driving ban or a lifetime driving ban? She said, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think I prefer like a short jail sentence or something. I, I, I just think it should be both. Um, you, you know, uh, it, it, it's a very strange situation uh, where, where, you know, nobody wants these people on the road, surely, least of all other drivers. Um, well, maybe least of all pedestrians and cyclists, but third of all, uh, other drivers. And yet, uh, this seems to be uh, somewhere, I seem to be kind of alone in, 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 uh, in arguing this. <laughs> well, which is weird. Now, at the same time, too, though, I mean, we, we don't seem to be addressing the problem. If somebody's a, a terrible driver, and then we, we put them on the shelf for five years, so they're not driving for five years, chances are they're going to be just as bad, if not worse, after that driving ban, where's the incentive for these people to actually fix what the problem is? Yeah, I mean, what, one of the one of the features in this um, MPP bill is that, uh, in addition to uh, a, a maximum five year driving ban, you would you would have to take some kind of a traffic safety course. Which the fact that that would actually have to be inserted into the act, as you say, kind of boggles the mind. I mean. If, if we are going to have this system um, where, where everyone gets their license back eventually, maybe we bust them down to the lowest level again and make them go through the graduate licensing all over again. Right. You know, to, to try to see, maybe we send them back to driver's ed. But that's a great point that you made that I could have made and didn't, is, is that if you take a terrible driver and have them not drive for five years, if anything, they'll probably be worse. Uh, assuming that they haven't, um, you know, if, if we're talking about someone who was just incompetent <laughs> and made a mistake, uh, you know, th- you hear these horrible cases of people who, uh, when they panic, they hit the br- they hit the gas when they really wanted to hit the brake. Um, <laughs> that person, if you're going to have a license, you want them to get much much better. Uh, not take a five-year break and then come back as the same driver. And, and but this is, you know, this is another thing that I, that I, sort of one of my pet peeves. I mean, anyone who's ever driven in Toronto or any competent driver, anybody who's ever driven in Toronto, the state of the driving is just shocking. Like, it's just total incompetence. And I, you know, the driver training that I got was a joke. The driving test that I got was literally a trip around the block and parking in a mall parking lot between two other empty spots. The whole thing took about 15 minutes. I mean, in other countries, it's much, much, much more rigorous. Um, and so we, we just don't seem to take driving very seriously in this country. Uh, and I think it shows <laughs> in all sorts of strange ways. Yeah, it does. But I mean, at the same time, and you mentioned this, this private member's bill in Ontario, it's at least a, a step in the right direction, isn't it? I think it is, um, and, and I'd be very surprised if it didn't pass. Uh, but even then, you know, I mean, it, it would raise the 
it would raise the minimum fine, or sorry, raise the maximum fine from $2,000 to $50,000. And I think it would put um, maybe five years in prison or something like that, and then a five-year driving ban from two years. Um, but I'm not sure, like, you know, I, I don't think that that's really going to, like, even if someone was convicted under the maximum of that, uh, if they killed someone, I don't think it's going to calm the sort of outrage that people seem to feel. Um, but it's weird. Like, every time one of these cases happens, there is this sort of outburst of, oh, it's unbelievable. You know, we should do something about this. And then it goes away until the next thing happens. So, yeah, I I think it would be a step in the right direction. Um, But I I, I still feel like if we're not taking these people off the road, if we're not trying to make them better drivers, at least, if if they're going to stay on the road, then all we're really doing is just sort of exacting punishment and and maybe instituting a deterrent. And, And that's good. We should be doing that. But we aren't making ourselves any safer at the end of the day, uh, and, and surely that's the goal of all this. Well, it should be, absolutely. Well, people can read more uh, pieces up at nationalpost.com. Chris, thanks as always for joining us here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. There you go, Chris Selle, columnist for the National Post, nationalpost.com. Your thoughts, I guess, on, you know, the, I mean, the question of whether driving is a right or a privilege, right? I mean, it really is a privilege, and I think we should treat it as such. But, I mean, at the same time, though, if the government just came up to you arbitrarily and said, we're revoking your license, I, I think you'd have a legitimate case. I think the government still has to be fair in its approach. But, yeah, I mean, if you've demonstrated that you're incapable of handling that responsibility and you're putting others at risk, you, you don't have a right to drive. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. There are probably people out there who would be great drivers. Responsible drivers would take that responsibility seriously, but just can't afford it. And then you've got people who just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. But they've got the money to pay those fines, pay the high insurance, and they get to keep driving. Anyway, 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Again, our telephone number, 403-974-8255. I want to go to the phones. We'll say good afternoon to Justin. Hi there, Justin. Hey, Rob. How's it going? Real good. So I, I definitely believe that driving is a, a privilege and not a right. I mean, uh, I think a lot of these cases, I mean, I, I understand the outrage when, when somebody dies innocently and, and there is no intent to do it, but I don't see how an imprisonment will act as a deterrent to prevent other accidents. Like, I agree that we should probably make it stricter if you do uh, drive bad or, or whatever, that we're able to take your license away, but... People got to realize that <laughs> when you get onto the road <laughs> every day, that is the most dangerous act you do in pretty much in the whole year. It's more dangerous than flying, and you have to take that responsibility. You could do everything right and still get into an accident and have horrible things happen. So, I mean, it, that, that's just part of the responsibility of being a driver is that, you know, you're taking your life into your hands when you enter your vehicle and drive to work. Yeah, and I think maybe we take that, that for granted. I think you're right. Um, so I, I don't know what the, the proper deterrent is because we all want to make it home at the end of the day, right? We, we don't want to die. Don't think, we don't want someone else's death on our hands. No, and I, I just don't think you can deter an honest accident. Like when it's a malicious intent or whatever, and 
some, nobody like the, the example that he was bringing up where she accidentally killed the vendor she's probably you know thinking about that every day and you could put her into jail for 25 years it's not going to prevent the next person who is a bad driver from accidentally pressing the gas right it, it'll well, but never I mean, cross her yeah. mind you could say the same thing about somebody who was drunk behind the wheel Right. One hundred percent. But that person still chose to drink beforehand and that the deterrence of, hey, I'll be in jail for 10 years. I shouldn't drink and drive. Whereas you're just a bad driver. You're a bad driver. There's nothing you can do to prevent that. You're not even fully aware. Everybody thinks they are a good driver. I mean, if you don't want to die in a plane accident, don't ever fly in a plane <laughs> and you won't. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, exactly. That's right. Yeah. No, well said, Justin. Appreciate the phone call. I, I think... You know, the question of impaired driving, I and mean, it speaks to culpability. Justin's right. If you choose to drink and then get behind the wheel, that's on you. He's talking about something that's legitimately an accident, and there is no liability. Well, then maybe there shouldn't be any punishment. Obviously, we're going to punish somebody either by fining them or taking away their driving or even putting them in jail. We are saying to a certain degree, you bear responsibility, and you need to be held accountable. So I guess it depends on the circumstances. I guess the point is, if somebody is incapable of getting to the point where they are not a threat, then maybe they shouldn't be allowed to drive. Because we do say, especially when it comes to impaired driving, too, we see these cases where it's, you know, one conviction, two convictions, 10 convictions, 15 convictions, it's endless. How do they keep getting their license back? At some point, don't you just have to say, you don't get to drive ever. That's it. You've had your chance. You've blown it. So what Randy has to say. Randy, good afternoon. How you doing? Real good. That's good. There was a case a number of years back in Richmond, B.C., where one of the guys working at the motor vehicle branch was selling driver's licenses. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So when I asked the police officer, RCMP, I said, uh, how many of those did you investigate and take away? You know what he told me? I don't want to know. <laughs> Not one. Really? So do these people know that they can't drive? Uh, of course they do. Otherwise, they would have never bought the driver's license in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there was that one circulating around on YouTube of that lady trying to get out of that parking. Oh, yeah. God, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, come on. You see it every day on the road. These people aren't drinking, but cannot drive. The problem is in the fact that it costs about eighteen grand to process them through court to take the driver's license away. So they will not do it. It's too expensive. Yeah. And until they change the law that makes it easier, it'll stay that way. Yeah. It's all about dollars. Yeah, I think you may be right. Randy, good point. Appreciate the phone call. I guess we're going to take someone's license away. And it gets back to the point we're making with Chris Sally. You're a bad driver to begin with. Now you go a year or five years without driving at all. You're probably now an even worse driver. Like, What are we doing to make people who are bad drivers better drivers? If we're taking away their license for five years, maybe in the interim, they can be doing something to ensure that once they get that right back, that they're better drivers. Let's go to Stephen. Stephen, go ahead. How are you today? Very well. Very good. 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with a lot of your callers in regards to I think we need a little more training. Uh, I think there is a lot of bad drivers out there. But more specifically, I'd like to address the, the drinking driving. Yeah where we take away a driver's license from a, from an individual for, you know, one year and then five years and however many years. I think we're addressing that all wrong. And I think the reason we are is because it's such a cash cow, alcohol, to purchase it for mm-hmm. the government. I think we should instead be taking, not be taking away their driver's license, take away their drinking. Like ban them from drinking? Yeah. In other words, you know, if if if, if you've caused an a, 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 an accident due to alcohol consumption, then be it every week, every month, however it would work out best. I probably would think every week you have them do a drug test. Mm-hmm. And uh, if 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 they're drinking, and if they're if 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 there's alcohol keeps showing up on their on their uh, uh, record, then you throw them in jail. But, you know, to take away their driver's license, you're not addressing the issue. Take away their drinking. Well, I, I think we do in some cases. I have to double check, but I think that there are penalties imposed on convicted impaired drivers where they're not only banned from driving, but they're also ordered to abstain from alcohol. But I'm, I'm not sure how that's enforced. But I think it's, it's a valid point, Stephen. Appreciate the phone call. Listen, we're up against the bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to talk vaccines, why Alberta and other provinces are falling short of vaccine targets. Later on, more on the arena debate and the so-called Plan B being presented to City Council today. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.